0: Welcome to Good Government's podcast, Politics 101 with David Orr. Today in our series on the municipal elections in 2023, our guest is 49th Ward Alderman Maria Haddon. Okay, our next podcast, by the way, in this series will be with former alderman Dick Simpson. Uh, Actually, Dick Simpson was an alderman before I came into office. So I came into office way back in 1979, when long before Maria was around. Um, And so, anyway, Dick Simpson has written a number of books, particularly about the old machine. So he has a lot to say about this. Okay, and then in case you missed the first in our series, was with Alderman um, Scott you know, the finance chair. Uh, and if you want to see any of those, you can check them out either at Spotify or at r- rss.com, rss.com if you wanna listen to any of those. Okay, just a brief interview of Maria, okay, who's fortunately done a lot for us with good government over the years. First elected to the city council in 2019, she defeated a powerful incumbent uh, named Joe Moore, Uh, She came to the 49th Ward way back in, I believe, 2004 and she knew what she was doing because she wanted to pick a ward that was extremely diverse in every way. Uh, Not just race and so forth, but economic levels, etc. One of the key positions she had before she was elected Alderman was Executive Director of of Our City, Our Hope, and the goals of that non-for-profit were to redesign democracy for more equitable participation. And I'd like to think that is what progressives are trying to do in Chicago. How do you get more equitable participation? Because we've built, unfortunately, decades and decades of public policy too often, frankly, based on insiders. Even if the policy wasn't designed to help the insiders, the lobbyists before it was all done often led to that. It's fair to say that Maria, I think, I can't think of anything she hasn't, has been very active in almost all the major policy issues over the last three and a half years, including housing and police and uh, environment, and again, equitable taxation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So uh, welcome, Maria, Uh, really good to have you on.
1: Great, great to be here. Great to be here, David, thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. Okay, so let's start uh, by asking what are your one or two top priorities, uh, let's say, in 2023?
1: Sure. Um, so going, going into this uh, second term, let's say, for uh, 2023 through 27, um, you know, I feel like housing's always at the top of the list, um, not just for the 49th Ward, but for our entire city. Um, we're uh, in a, in a space where we have a lack of affordable housing, where a lot of naturally occurring affordable housing that Rogers Park and the 49th Ward have traditionally um, benefited from um, is changing ownership hands. Rents have gone up tremendously, the cost of housing overall uh, for renters and owners. um, That's uh, combined with an increase in number of people experiencing homelessness has just really put us at a crisis point. Um, so citywide issue that we experience right here in Rogers Park. And I'd say, um, you know, number two issue um, that um, it's one of those things that sometimes doesn't feel as front and center, but it's our environmental plan and our environmental action. So here in the 49th Ward, uh, for those who aren't familiar, we are primarily Rogers Park and a little bit of Westridge. We're a community that lives on the northeast edge of Chicago. Um, So with uh, Evanston as the city to our north and our our eastern boundary being the lakefront, like Lake Michigan. And um, over these last several years, we faced um, a lot of emergencies that are direct consequences of climate change. So from lakefront erosion uh, due to high lake levels and extreme storm events to um, in September of this last year, we had flooding in like 90% of the basement's of our apartments and houses uh, around the ward. In May of last year, we lost three seniors um, who died in their apartments because of an early heat wave in their building not having the air conditioning on yet. So uh, we had a tornado in 2020. So um, the city needs to take action on climate. We do have a climate action plan, but uh, working on a department of environment and uh, been working with a lot of 49th ward residents who, both uh, historically have been very active on environmental justice issues. And uh, currently it's one of the top concerns from all age groups. And um, I think our our community is gonna be a leader on this for the city.
0: You know, it's interesting when you talk, uh, I mean, the the good news about your boundaries for the ward, it's very hard for people to gerrymander you in any bad ways. (laughs) So that's a good thing. This is true. Um, When you're progressive that sometimes is not appreciated by Uh, some older types, Um, but it's interesting because it was way back in around 1985, okay, when I was still city council, that we had this last enormous push of the big waves, and we built the revetments out there, which was kind of a temporary thing to block those massive waves from hitting. Uh, Let me go back. You mentioned one of the key things, housing. Any more specifics on uh, what we should be doing for affordable housing? It's it's obviously a big issue, uh, it, it affects the national level, too. Um, there's so many forces that uh, want to see housing prices go up, uh, and so they're not as sympathetic to building real affordable housing. But any more specifics to your plans?
1: Sure. So there's some, some good things that we've started over this last term that I look forward to our community getting to benefit from on the policy level. Um, so the Connected Communities Ordinance. Um, and this is a, a, a citywide ordinance that I was a co-sponsor on. And um, while we started out with it going a a little bit further and being a bit more progressive um, in order to pass council, it was windowed down a little bit. Um, But this really looks at um, incentivizing and setting up um, uh, kind of policies and code to uh, encourage more dense development around our transit stops and of course, more affordable housing development across the city, right? Um, So in all neighborhoods and making sure that we are um, able to spread things out um, to make every place in every neighborhood, right, uh, affordable and accessible for people. Um, So those are some pretty high ambitions in a city that's pretty racially and economically segregated like Chicago, but um, there's a really great move forward. So locally here in the 49th Ward, um, we'll see some of the benefits of that in proposed developments that we're going to see come to fruition over these next couple of years, um, uh, both around the Howard Redline stop um, with new 110 units of new affordable housing, um, specifically priced for kind of working families, right? So family size units, um, uh, priced for, for working people in our neighborhood, um, but also with some work that I've been doing on um, promoting affordable home ownership options through cooperatives. Um, so looking to develop uh, new home ownership options um, that's actually priced for people in our community Um, so locally there's that and even today um, in housing committee we actually just spent about four hours with our CEO Tracy Scott of the CHA and also pushing on uh, the CHA right Um, so we've got a lot of moving parts in our housing uh, sector in Chicago And so it looks like policies that encourage it, um, looking at financial incentives, uh, creating new models and and piloting them like co-ops, but also working with the entities that we have um, outside of the city, the sister agencies like CHA, where today my big line of questioning was around maintenance of their existing properties, right? What's the tenant experience? How much of their money are they reinvesting? Um, because it's not enough just to build more housing. We also have to look at the uh, conditions of the housing that we have and the conditions that
0: um, our constituents are living in. Right, because we have so much uh, CHA that Chicago Housing Authority, public housing over the years. And frankly, we like to blame the inhabitants for a lot of the problems, but they they did not get the kind of service they needed to keep many of those properties up. And they're later destroyed and a lot of racial blaming uh, people living there, rather than uh, government being effective in the way they help there. Uh, and by the way, Maria just mentioned: Are you in a co-op too?
1: I do. I do live in a. I live in a housing co-op. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because there's a few of those in Rogers Park, um, and they're pretty fast. One of them right on the lake front there, at Launt and the Lake. Um, yeah. uh, and wonderful. By the way, um, you know, there the old Heartland Cafe, which is at Launt and the tracks, um, the CTA tracks. There's a new building going up there. Uh, is that at all part of the, the transit stuff, or is that just a separate?
1: Separate project. That was a, yeah, like, yeah, separate project.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's certainly important, and that's something around the country, as you know, that many cities are trying to do. There's a lot of people who want to fight the density, but sometimes to have that density right near uh, transportation. Then people people don't necessarily have to have cars, easy to get to work, um, so many pluses there Okay, well, let's, let's go on to another hot potato for a moment. Or Let me ask you this first. I, I want to do that. Um, are there any, like, let's say, hot potato issues that you know are going to be coming up in the council? Now, we have um, the elect, first election, February 28th, so just a little month away or so, and then we have the runoff election, April 4th, for those who are still in it, which probably there'll be mayoral candidates and probably quite a few of the automatic candidates so are there some things that you think we should be looking out for because they might be a hot potato before this election?
1: Um, you know, it's hard to say. Um, things have been very um, unpredictable. So, for instance, uh, we did have our January City Council meeting. It ended so quickly. It was it, There was you know, we did some, some great things. We passed an updated version of our bodily autonomy ordinance. Um, this was another uh, piece of legislation I got to uh, lead on um, where, you know, in the wake of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, um, myself, Alderman Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, um, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, um, uh, um, Alderman Matt Martin, um, and Mayor Lightfoot, um, you know, we work with partner organizations to make sure that we could uh, create a protected space in the city of Chicago for people seeking abortion, other reproductive health care and gender affirming care. So we wanted to move quickly. So it took us a little while to get through some of the legislative pieces on the gender affirming care piece. So while we passed the first version several months ago, um, we did pass the, the full um, ordinance in January. Um, So that was great. Um, There was actually a big change that didn't get a ton of press on um, creating um, uh, vape moratorium zones, similar to liquor moratorium zones, um, led by Alderman Napolitano, was something I supported as well. Um, As we've seen kind of the health uh, concerns around vaping and children, they're kind of the new tobacco industry, right? And the way, a lot of the marketing and appeal goes and it was a completely unregulated, completely unregulated kind of business in the city. Um, Outside of that, it was so straightforward that when the mayor gaveled us out, we were all just sitting there like, wait a minute, it's only like 1230. How are we done with council, right? Um, So I don't know. We have, um, uh, instead of having our meeting mid-month, our next council meeting is actually scheduled for February 1st. Um, So there's also not a lot of time between this January meeting and the February one. Obviously, we'll have, you know, zoning matters that go through transportation, um, you know, public way, regular kind of city business. Um, So I I don't know that there are any big items on the horizon for February agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what we really need to look out for is what happens on that March agenda. And a lot of that is going to depend on the outcomes of the February election, right, on the mayoral side.
0: That's true. You know? mm-hmm. Okay. And just by, by the way, um, you know, Maria's up in the 49th ward, and you mentioned a, a protected space around the abortion issue, et cetera. Um, you work very carefully with a state rep up in, in our area, which is mm-hmm. Kelly Cassidy.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: and, you know, she passed um, and Pritzker signed the bill. Um, very important for the whole state about as these states like Illinois that believe in reproduction rights, uh, try and fight off all the negative things from the states that are trying to penalize doctors, patients, et cetera. Um, by the way, our good government newsletter comes out tomorrow morning. And, and that's one of the things that we highlight is, um, um, know that I forget the exact title of the bill, but it's very important and just recently passed. Let me, let me jump uh, Maria to uh, public safety and police accountability. Again, you've been following that, um, very carefully, uh, anything you want to say about that, um, as Chris, we see our mayoral candidates struggling mightily to deal with a very complex uh, issue, of public safety, but just, uh, either and, or both, um, some thoughts about public safety and particularly police accountability, mm-hmm. uh, which has been a very big issue in the 49th ward for some time.
1: Okay. It's, um. it's it's, in some ways it's not complicated so we are on a reform path right we're under a consent decree um due to the work of community members activists and organizers for decades we've got um in this election we're electing our first you know members of a district council Um, we have in place our interim uh community accountability board right Um, uh, through the ecps the empowered communities for public safety ordinance um, we're at, um, we've seen the culmination and success of just many uh, years of work and organizing to make sure, like, right, with this goal of Chicagoans having, um, uh, being able to have confidence in a police force and a public safety strategy and being able to have accountability and reforms in, in having and having a functioning, accountable place. And I feel like we still have some years to go right, before we reach that goal, but it has been exciting to be in this time where we're seeing the fruition of so much work. Um, When it comes to kind of these, um, uh, the higher rates of crime and, and gun violence and things that we're seeing, it's really difficult to put ourselves in the context of, you know, the fear or the concerns or the, you know, impacts that residents feel every day. Seeing our statistics, knowing that um, over this, this last kind of three and a half years, we've seen some spikes, we've seen some things normalize. like even here in the 49th Ward, you know, we saw, um, you know, crime rates like go up in 2020, we saw things normalize a bit in 2021, like putting us back kind of on average of things that we'd seen in previous years. But we're still in a really difficult time. Um, where reforms are taking place, but adjustment is needed. And then uh, you've got the layer of, um, you've got this layer of what's happening with policing, right? So from um, our Black Lives Matter movement to the civil unrest after the murder of George Floyd, um, to the pandemic, Our first responders and police departments um, around the country um, have not been immune from all the strains that public workers have been under. Like everybody's been under strains, public employees from transit workers to police officers to folks that are working at our county hospitals, Um, from people who work for, you know, our Department of Family and Support Services have been under a ton of strain and stress and we are losing people, right? Um, So we've got an interesting situation in Chicago where I think we're headed in the right direction with our reforms. And also we've got maybe some workforce management issues, right? Um, That's the biggest thing that in city council that we've kind of brought to Superintendent uh, David Brown is, what's the plan? What's the staffing plan? Um, like, okay, you know, they're kind of filling vacancies with some some good recruitment efforts um, uh, through the academy, but that's only one part of the equation, right? Like, how, how are they working with existing folks? How are they deciding where officer deployments go in which neighborhoods? Um, communities like ours have seen um, kind of big drops, 30% drops in the number of patrol officers at a time when people people don't necessarily want more police, but they want good service. And so I think as we look over these next four years, there's a, a staffing and a management issue of how do we make sure that all the residents in Chicago are getting the level of services that they deserve Um, So from fire and EMT services to police services, you know, when someone calls because, you know, there's been uh, a a robbery or their car's been vandalized, um, what does that look like? You know, when there is an issue that you need the police for and they show up, what does that look like? Um, Another big step in the right direction that we've made that I hope to get to work on advancing, um, and I think it's a key part of making sure police get to do police things um, has been in, in, uh, starting these pilots of mental health crisis. Um, so here in 24th district, um, the 49th ward is entirely in the 24th district for policing. Um, I think we're in the top five or six districts for mental health calls. So when you think about why is someone calling 911, right? Is it an issue for police? Almost 50% of the time it's not. It's a a mental health crisis. Um, And so um, I think police here in our district have been really good at kind of adjusting. And I think you'd find a police around the city who would be pretty supportive of a lot of these non-police crisis response teams um, so that police can respond to police calls and that we can have our social workers, our paramedics, right, Um, our trained mental health professionals responding to social and mental health crisis issues. So um, it started, it's happening because of some state funding actually. Our 49th ward um, is completely within a pilot area with a 24 seven mental health crisis response team led by Trilogy. And um, it's been a great program. It gives people more options. Again, we're giving constituents services that we need and that appropriately kind of fielding calls um, makes a difference so that everyone's experiencing a better level of service and our workforce is being managed better.
0: Great. And and, and for those people who don't know, Trilogy is still right there. I think it is, um, I think it's Greenleaf, Greenleaf right along the L tracks. Just mm-hmm. to- In Glenwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, on. um, one thing, remember, if you haven't followed this too carefully, what Maria referred to also on the ballot, besides mayoral candidates aldermanic candidates including maria we also have these people running uh, in each of the uh, the police districts so maria for mm-hmm. example the 24th district and it's really important that you try and look those people up uh, and you get to vote for these people and we'll see ultimately how it comes out but the goal is that they they kind of represent the larger public on how we both deal sometimes with public safety but how we hold the various institutions that are supposed to deal with police accountability. So be looking for those people on your ballot uh, January 28th or February 28th. I'm sorry. Um, Let's just jump to some, quote, democracy issues, um, things that I care a lot about anyway, and it'd be kind of some of them campaign finance issues. Uh, One of the things that I've always been concerned about uh, way back when I was there, partly because with the help of Harold Washington, we passed the first limit on what Uh, elected officials across the city could take from vendors who do business with the city. And that was $1,500 then, and it's still $1,500. But over the years, well, I think it's certainly a very important ordinance. uh, And I say it's important because it's so easy in Chicago. um, And we've had too many cases of it, uh, even in the old 49th Ward, where aldermen lean on a lot of store owners and all of a sudden these little teeny uh, mom and pa stores are having to shelve up $2,500 to their favorite aldermen, uh, fearing that if they don't give, they're gonna mm-hmm. get in trouble. Uh, and when we see the things like the uh, indictment of Ed Burke, um, because a local store wouldn't give him what he wanted. You know, So I've always been concerned about that. And over the years, um, there's been all sorts of gaping holes in the 1500. I do know New York has tried to make some changes there. Do you have any thoughts about that, Maria? Whether or not we could lower the number, or there's ways we could reform it to try and say if the business gives 1,500, then you can't have three or four uh, CEOs and others also giving money.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, well, one, I'll say, in my limited experience so far, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the, a lot of the, I've had a few groups that are contributors to me that also have these contracts. So let's, I'll give an example. Um, there's a, a business in the ward, um, that's a, a childcare center, but they have right, like a con, they do receive some public funding. So they're limited to this $1,500 piece. Um, most of these organizations, um, We don't have a ton in the 49th ward that fall into this category and i don't have many donors that fall into this category but most of them are pretty good at regulating themselves and knowing like hey like we they don't want to jeopardize their stuff with the city they notify right hey you know what we can do this much because of this um so i don't know but i would be interested to see if there are a lot of problems there i will say that having some um, we just had a great um, ethics committee meeting yesterday. Um, chaired for the first time by Alderman Matt Martin Um, and um, in it we had a great hearing on um, Chicago Fair Elections ordinance that he's introduced and so there are some other things around campaign finance that I think we can do and you mentioned New York City um, they have publicly financed elections right so they have a fund that can be a matching fund and any candidate whether you're a a first-time candidate or an incumbent um, that agrees to um, kind of limitations on, um, you know, certain places that you'll take money from, um, amounts of money um, can't partake of this matching fund. So it started out as a one-to-one, I think they're up to eight to one, right? So if you kind of abide by these like really fair transparent rules, um, some of which being limitations of how much you take from any one donor, right, um, uh, limits on how much you personally um, can finance and some transparency rules that just kind of make things fair, then you can partake in getting a publicly funded matching piece. Uh, and this, this really helps, one, it helps a lot of first-time candidates um, who don't necessarily have access to a lot of moneyed people. Um, I know that this would have been really helpful for my first time around. It'd even be helpful now. Um, The the income level of my friends and family hasn't changed um, just because I'm an older person, right? Um, The people closest to me aren't people with a ton of money. Um, And so when you think about an everyday person, um, the type of person that you would really want and might be great in a local representative office, um, having these type of, of matching funds can help. And it also helps on the good government front of encouraging standards and good behavior, right? So how can we make sure that, um, that we can disincentivize, or in this case, incentivize transparency, accountability, and good government? And it's great, you know what? If you follow the rules and you sign this pledge, we're gonna match everything you raise you know, by eight so that it makes your campaign viable where it might not be before. Um, so, that's a really attractive, uh, good governance way. It also can help engage a public, right, um, in being able to contribute funds or participate and knowing that um, maybe they don't have to pay out of pocket or attach directly to one candidate, um, right, just to kind of help their elections be robust. Um, we have a lot of people here, you know, David, in the 49th Ward who really support democratic engagement. So, maybe they do have a favorite candidate but they like the idea of having choices, right? Um, uh, We've got, um, uh, in our aldermanic races coming up, we have quite a few um, incumbent alder people and even even, uh, non-incumbent, right? Um, uh, Who are running unopposed. Now there's a lot of reasons, right? That that people might be um, kicked off the ballot. I think there's only one person who was running unopposed Um, from the get-go, and that was Alderman Matt Martin. Um, The other people had challengers, um, but they were either, they removed themselves from the ballot or they were kicked off the ballot through challenge processes. And that speaks to the difficulty in getting a campaign going, right? Um, And that's where public matching campaign finance could help, but it also helps us to kind of set a standard and put a little bit of control um, on our money and how much we raise, which is another way to really... um, um, I don't know. Put put a bit of a cap on um, how um, much money can be poured into people and races.
0: And it's it's a like we started out with it's it's gonna do with equity. Mm-hmm. We don't want to say the only people that can be elected are rich people. Yep. We're seeing that now at the at the Senate level and the governor's level and the presidential level, and even the people who represent the Democrat and Republican Party when they go searching for candidates, they're looking for millionaires. Mm-hmm. They can Pay as much as they can, and so this whole smaller donor matching thing. I'm glad you brought that up, at the, the recent meeting. Yeah, that's just a way to do it, and we'll see. Uh, it'll be kind of a test of the new city council, and who's ever mayor to see if they'll actually push for some of uh, some of these reforms. Yep. Um, in our remaining time, let me just bring up briefly um, tax fairness. I'm not going to keep you too long. The, on the tax fairness issue, uh, I I think a decision. Was coming out recently on the border review. An individual that the FBI had um, discovered was fixing cases, mostly for kind of wealthy commercial folks to mean they wouldn't have to pay as much taxes. You've been involved in this issue. It's uh, not directly a city issue. Um, I've encouraged uh, the city council and, and Scott Waggisback, who is the chairman of the finance committee. Um uh, you know, maybe only for a couple of months, who knows, but, um, do you think that's, uh, advisable that maybe because there have been so many controversies around the border review, uh, and the fact that from the information we get, they are lowering assessments for commercial, which means hundreds of thousands of homeowners are paying a lot higher tax. They would need to, uh, is that something you think that could be brought before the council, um, and maybe to call more attention to what mm-hmm. really the Board of review is doing?
1: I think that's a great point and we're seeing it right here in um, we are included in the Rogers park township. So we are one of a handful of communities that saw um, kind of property tax, um, both the assessed values and then our course corresponding property taxes just skyrocket. Um, And um, some people, you know, 25% um, increases seeing property tax sales double um, and being such a heavy residential neighborhood, a lot of it um, does come at the cost of those cost-shifting burdens of our commercial property owners, right? So I, I'm hopeful about some of the new people at the Board of Review and some of the reforms that they've promised, um, but especially like we just had a, um, our new uh, Commissioner, Sam Steele, um, and, uh, new commissioner, Josina Morita, um, just, we just had a property tax appeals workshop last week, um, cause Rogers Park township was reopened for appeals and it is a heavy lift for homeowners to navigate the system. So, uh, commissioner Steele and her team made it really easy. Um, uh, commissioner Morita's office is very helpful and her predecessor, Commissioner Larry suffered in was always a great, a great aid to our our constituents, but it's a lot. It's a lot for a resident to know, well, okay, I get this from this office and then, you know, I can review through this office. I can appeal through this office. uh, But my, but my payment goes to this office. Um, It is convoluted, it is complex. And when anything is that complex, it means it's easy for people to get taken advantage of. So we have everything from people who just, You know, I've had a few meetings with uh, folks that just forgot to, uh, forgot an exemption this year, right? Um, And oh, because it's complicated, but I do know that um, making it more accessible, making sure people know their rights, and especially um, making sure people know that um, they don't necessarily have to have an attorney, right? In order to do this, but finding ways to make sure that there's a, a fair playing field. I, th- I think it's the business of everybody in Cook County. Um, so I I think it is something that maybe we could get a hearing on in city council. And certainly, I think 49th Ward constituents would be um, uh, grateful for that.
0: As you can see, as we talk about this, uh, Maria, as an organizer, you could, in other words, part of being, in my mind, a good government and uh, good government alderman is every everywhere possible you create Uh, opportunities for people to understand these things at the local level. Also, Maria was instrumental in this, uh, she mentioned Samantha Steele, the surprising election to one of the members of the Board of Review. So we have at least one staunch reformer on that body now. Um, I'm hearing there's some pretty ugly things going on behind the scenes, but the fact is uh, that was very significant. And the other critical thing that we just heard from Maria Good government should mean that um, you have to understand how government really works. And uh, Maria used the word navigate. These systems created uh, since by Madigan and Berrios, and even the people before them, they're very clever individuals. They're set up to make it confusing for you. Um, so people don't understand why these big corporations are paying millions and millions less. Uh, on their property taxes and how that affects them, and the genius of the bad side of government is setting up those things. And so, the more light we can show on things, explain to people the harm that comes from that, the better. So, anyway, um, thank you on that, Maria. Let me ask you this: You know, you've been there, been lots of battles. Uh, you, one of the good things about you is you're pretty cool. You are not necessarily calling people names all the time, which is Pretty significant. Never, um, never name-calling. Just tell me, uh, what is your most frustrating experience if, if it, something comes up being in the city council these last three and a half years?
1: Um, it's frustrating to... Um, there's a couple of different things that are frustrating. Um, this morning was frustrating, but ultimately I think a good hearing, let's say, with CHA. Um, what was a frustrating part of it was listening to our residents who came for public comment, who um, many of whom are CHA tenants or former tenants um, who came with a myriad of just super important issues and the personal experience and they're angry. They're angry at at city council, they're angry at CHA, they're angry at decision makers, um, not understanding some of the decisions that have been made and feeling excluded and it's frustrating to resonate and feel that anger, um, because they're right, right? Um, And um, having to filter that into the limited framework of tools that you've got as a city council person, right? We unfortunately can't snap our fingers and um, right or wrong. Um, But um, I was able to, in addition to kind of working with community orgs, like One North Side, and they had worked with actual tenants here in the 49th Ward. Um, to get questions. We were able to get some questions answered. We were able to raise some issues today. Um, We've got a pretty good working relationship with our our CHA CEO, who's a a newer person. She's just been there a couple of years. Um, And there's hope. Um, I also got to directly connect to some of those constituents who who weren't 49th Ward constituents, but they showed up, um, right? They made time in their day to show up. Um, so I connected to them, um, got a few numbers, and and helped people get connected to the appropriate people, right, to to have some of their their needs met. But it can be frustrating, um, and you know this, mm-hmm. to not be able to immediately, you know, right or wrong or or help that constituent. Um, and the other frustrating part about today was um, the people who showed up. So uh, Alderman Ostrom the chair of housing. Um, And the the people who showed up today, the aldermen that were there, every single one had great questions, actually. They were very attentive. They were very involved. Um, And it was most of the housing committee in full attendance. But for something this important, I would have hoped to have seen more um, aldermen there. Um, And that can be frustrating too, right? Um, We can't all participate in everything um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but sometimes there are issues that are of such great importance, um, at least that it might be that top priority for 49th Ward residents, right? Um, or a top priority for me. Um, but we are a diverse body. And out of 50 people, sometimes it can be hard to get um, enough of us on board. Um, to recognize something as a priority. And, you know, that's just the frustration of legislating, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, you keep smiling. That's good. <laughs> uh, I'm not really going to go into election, but so you're on the ballot and you have how many opponents? Um, um, two. Two. Yes. Opponents. Three of you on the, on the ballot for February 28th. Um, okay. I just want to thank you so much. Um, like I said, I think the people that listen to you and so forth understand um, is a really interesting combination, which is why I like having you on. You pay attention, you work hard, not only understand the issues before the council, but how those things affect your constituents, every which way. And, And if one goes back to look at all the things you discussed and it's not a campaign analysis here, it's just, think of all this stuff, it's ways that you are trying to serve regular people on a regular basis. Uh, which for me, at least, and the notion of good government, that is epitome of it. So I, I thank you for that. Uh, I appreciate you. your time. And again, um, this will be available if you're uh, looking to follow us and to see some of our other municipal uh, series uh, podcasts, either at Spotify uh, and or rss.com. Uh, thank you, Maria Haddon. Um, I think you have a really important political future.
1: Thank you, David. I appreciated being here and uh, can't wait to join you again.
0: Good. Okay. Thank you, everybody.